Welcome back to the business report. Uh, to and we're looking at results. Lots of results. We're in result season at the moment. Lots of results coming out and some pretty good results in the financial services sector. Um, almost none more so than the Capricorn Group, which uh, profit after tax increased twenty eight point seven percent to one point four seven billion. That's for the financial year ended thirtieth of June. Joining us in studio uh, this evening is uh, CFO of Bank Vintuk, uh, Thanani Kambaripa. Welcome to the studio. No, thank you, Gary. The Nani, now those are stellar results. If we just look at the big headline, uh, profit after tax, th- those are big numbers. You guys must be very excited at those numbers. Oh, certainly. We certainly are, Gary. I think that, uh, like we always say, I mean, if results are up, we are happy. But I think there's always a backstory to it, you know. Results is not, it's only the outcome. Yeah. We, our focus has always been on the, on the core business, the core matrices, customer growth volume growth, those are always the things that we worry about because we don't want to create short-term value and then it goes down. It's all around, always around sustainable return creation in the long term, medium to long term, if, one, if you can look at it that way. So I mean, if we look at, um, you guys are a complicated group. You've got uh, holdings in a number of different entities and different businesses, all sort of aligned in the, in the, in the wider space into the financial services sector. You've got... Uh, some shareholdings into Paratus, uh, Sunlam and Sunlam, so exposed yes. into yes. into insurance here as well. What uh, what out of the group performed best in the set of results? Um, so, I mean, the, the story this year obviously is the bank, is the flagship brand of the group, Bank Ventuk, which had profits after tax go up 34%. But I guess when you look at the group, then it's always the balance of the portfolio, right? Yeah. Because in some, sometimes the bank does well, like this year, the others not so well, but the group together is still up. And then like in COVID, you saw some of the other subsidiary come through when the bank didn't do so well in that low rate environment. And uh, those results for Bank Fintech are driven what largely? What What is the big value driver there? So, of course, the, the, the big value driver would be interest rate hikes, which is the story that everyone says. But we always need to remember, you know, interest rates like uh, over uh, come off a balance sheet that has been built over some time. In fact, I think my view is that we continue to lend in COVID. In fact, if you look at the last three years, our advances growth was above private sector credit extension, which then set us that base from which we could make the interest rate return that we achieved this year. Mm. So it's a it is rate hike, but off a balance sheet built over some time. And of course, those hikes also have a double-edged sword in that while they might bring short-term profitability, they bring long-term risk. So let's touch on that. You've spoken about private sector credit extension. Uh, It would appear that there's a bit of a rumbling at the moment amongst economists in the country that the banks are not lending as much money as they should be given the amount of strain the economy is under. Uh, That's that's a very vague statement and I'll allow you to respond yes. um, specifically in the areas of business and commerce yes. where it would seem that cash flow is becoming very tight in a relatively small economy. So how do you view, there's obviously some short-term wins and their interest rates go up, but suddenly some of your clients become more risky than they were because they become under strain, especially if they're carrying debt. How does the bank view that particular uh, part of its business over the next two to three years? So uh, Gary, my view is, Maybe I'll I'll be able to talk to us as Bank Ventuk. We've always said we will continue to lend. We'll always, we've always said we'll continue to find opportunity. But we then see, say, if you look at our results, um, 
residential mortgages grew, which structurally, if you look at all banks in Namibia, is probably the biggest product. So we are still in the market giving people home loans. Vehicle asset finance was also the other big grower. You know, and one could say, if you look at risk, say vehicle versus home, maybe you could argue vehicle is higher risk than not, but we continue to grow. So right. when the volumes of cars came back and the lag times are out, we, we continue to grow the products. On the commercial side, commercials are rather very interesting because, you know, macros speak to commercials not so much. So much mm. is more around issues in their specific sector and sometimes the specific entity. And what you saw is that we have had overdraft coming down, you know, which means people are rather, the commercials now are paying back rather than coming for credit. So when one looks at it is, I think we will always, if, if we want to be a bank in the long term and a sustainable bank, we must be in the, continue to be in the business of going, giving credit, you know. But the question is, um, people must want credit, one. Okay. And enough. you know what I'm saying. And how, have, how? what view have you taken on on bad debt over, over this period under review? Um, policy's been pretty much unchanged or have you taken a slightly more lax view on, um, on, on, your, on your customer base, especially in the commercial sector? No, no. Our, our, I mean, I think our, our lending policy origination has always remained the same. If we understand the entity, we like it, there's viability of ability to repay, we will give them credit. The other side of it also is that the, the, the Bank of Namibia also gave us leeway with some regulation to allow to help clients. And we've done that, where in some instances you have payment um, holidays, um, restructuring without actually it being a NPL. Right. We use that regulation where relevant. And then the SME loan scheme as well, where we give people working capital from the Bank of Namibia to allow them to come back. So my view is, yeah, I think we have, we've continued, our policies have remained more or less what we've always said, which is understand what risk we are taking. And if we are happy with it, we will give the credit. So let's take a look at some of the other bits of bits of the group. Yes. Um, we, we do see 76% contribution from Bank of took to yes. overall profitability. But as you say, it's the balance of portfolio. Uh, Entrepo is an, is an interesting business. Um, yes. uh, back in 2020, under the height of, of enormous stress on, on households, 13% contribution to profitability. Mm-hmm. That's down to eight. Now, of course, that's a different ratio. Yes. Uh, if one of your other units outperforms, that will drop. Yes. But how is that business performing? I think the, I mean, uh, we, when we spoke to the results, we did mention that, uh, the, of course, you know, it's a single product. Um, there's a lot of competition there. And it's really around growing loan book. And part of it is also the, how, how we price. Uh, Entrepo tends to be a fixed rate, of course, so when they didn't really get the benefit of the rate hikes because they're not on a variable basis. And there's a lot of competition in that space on the advances growth. So although we grew advances that side, we lost out on the interest this side, but we, of course we didn't. We could have grown more, but now competition is quite tight in that space. And how has bad debt been in that space? No, bad debt is always a. I mean, it's always a, a challenge. I think in any micro lender, but the one thing we do manage well in any in any micro lender. But of course, of course, in, in Trapo, a lot of their stuff is most payroll deduction, so bad debt is not such an issue. But we tend to write off quickly as well, should it occur. Right. Okay, let's uh, turn our attention now to uh, perhaps innovation. Um, Bank Vintook and, and the group have tried 
um, extensively over the last five years or so yes. to really, I would, I, I mean, using the words catch up is perhaps a, a little bit unfair, but to certainly get to where the um, where the consumer is in terms of their expectation of financial services. Yes. Um, often that is a bit of an investment black hole. Money gets poured into technology. Yes. Uh, perhaps missteps from time to time. Yes. Um, how's that gone for you guys? How how is your technology investment going from a retail and consumer facing perspective? So one of the things we had uh, three years ago, Gary, is around uh, distribution. Of course, uh, and um, reimagine how we do distribution. You can only do that over back of a solid um, technology platform. Um, and, and in so doing then, obviously, start uh, realizing benefits, right? Mm. Where you, you know, it's around where customers can serve themselves or where there's high volumes, but you cannot charge for. We try to move to self-service channels and it has worked quite well, Gary, because what you see, what we thought was there will be cannibalization of volumes between what we used to do in branch as the, and what moves to these digital channels as we roll them out. But what we've seen is that volumes, both sides have gone up, you know, which means that the customers are actually enjoying the ability to transact more or less. Um, it's a journey. We, we're still on it and then and we'll continue. Um, we're still on it. And what you then see is that from here is almost phase two. So strategy one was building this platform to move volumes, high volumes, low cost to these channels. Then the next two is really focusing on experience, um, you know, and then see, and then also the full rollout now of the distribution channel, because mm. we only rolled out the three of them, and we still have a whole, I mean, over how many branches that we need to relocate in the next three-year cycle. Well, I did notice um, out of your integrated financial report, um, you went from 54 to 55 branches in the period under review. Mm-hmm. ATMs went from 150 to 160. Yes. Those are traditionally areas where many banks are cutting back, bricks and mortar, closing perhaps less viable branches and mm. And we certainly have experienced a lot of ATM removals over the last three or four years. Yes. Uh, you guys are still opening new ones. Yeah, Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Because we have always really made, we have always imagined distribution, not so much around uh, removal, but um, reducing spaces. So I think a lot of our branches will remain in place, but maybe if the branch was a thousand square meters, in future, maybe it will be 500. And that's where we want to see the benefit. Not so much about really removing, no. Okay, let's turn our attention now to the outside, how the markets see things. At the yes. beginning of the year, you guys were trading at 13 Namibia dollars per share. Yes. Uh, the markets really liked your results. You're up to 16.40 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a metric that gets discussed? I'm, I'm sure if you've got some schemes running on it, it does. <laughs> but from a strategic perspective, how important is the share price to a bank? I think, Gary, I think my view is that uh, um, as management, our duty is to do the right things for the business, sustainably so, and then the share price must reflect that. We we cannot sit there and be worried about the share price every day. And it, you can then obviously, <laughs> you can imagine it incentivizes for you to do some rather not right things. But yeah. ours is focus on core business, the right things in the long term, and Hopefully, then ROE will come through uh, above cost of capital, and then the market will reward us. Um, and, and not so much the share price is the outcome. It's not it's, we cannot be doing things to affect share price. We must do things to create a valuable business. That's exactly the right answer. Yeah. <laughs>
Talking about the share price, though, of course, investors like getting some of their money back occasionally to see dividends gone up from 72 cents last year to to 100 cents per share. That's a, a, a sizable increase in dividend. Yes. Um, and I suppose part of the policy, if you don't need the cash, give it back to shareholders. Yes. And I think, I think I mean, just look at our investor base. So you will have founders, you will have um, pension funds, and you will also have retired people. So I think all of this taking, I mean, when you look at dividend, I guess you look at all the stakeholders and if so, and one would always try to say at a minimum, the dividend must at least try to follow return. And then, of course, if you don't have a means of using it, then you go beyond that. So I think we've tried to say that which we can, what we, that which we do not need, we have returned to the shoulder at this stage, which is that 39% growth year on year. And just lastly, one of the metrics that um, that analysts often look at in the space is your cost to income ratio. Yes, um, trading at fifty one point one percent last year, um, down slightly to fifty point eight percent. Yes, we do notice headcount is down. Um, is cost reduction a major driver in the business? I think we, I think we, you touched on the right ratio, Gary. Our thing for us is, uh, it's not, it's so it's more efficiency play than a cost play. So, so long as income grows faster than cost, I think we are comfortable. And we, we are always acutely aware of reducing cost and harm the business in future. I mean, those are the conversations that happen, you know. So we will continue to invest if it makes sense, and then we must get the related return. But to just look at it and, and cost in isolation can, in my view, be a bit of a risky thing. I think it's more around the jaws between income and cost. And so long as the jaw keeps opening up, I think we need to then we'll be comfortable. Well, stellar results, I think, all around. It's hard to find any anything to really drill you on, unfortunately. <laughs> really tried hard. Operating yes. profit up uh, from uh, 1.5 to 1.9 billion. Profit off tax up from 1.1 to 1.5. Um, uh, even the cost to income ratio dropping. Um, and of course, ROE up from 15% to 17.6%, which is a, a really impressive increase um, given the maturity of the business. So it's uh, it's fairly obvious that the, the bank is enjoying some nice tailwinds at the moment and, of course, nice positive sentiment. Um, do we see these results giving us uh, giving us good hope for the future? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, Gary, when you've done well, then you, of course, will need to come off a high capital base to, to achieve higher returns. But I think, I think we have, like, I, I mean, if you, all our conversation is, it's, it's, I keep going back to fundamentals. We must just continue to focus on the fundamentals, which is um, customers, volumes, efficiency, and continuously do so. Then in the long term, of course, um, those returns hopefully can continue and then even get better. Because the idea is we must get better. It's create more excess capital in the long term. And the more excess capital you create, the more it's almost like you start making um more money for less capital holding, and then you can do other things. Exciting times ahead for the bank. Yes. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Gary. Our guest is uh, Thanani Kambaripa, the CFO of Bank Vintok, talking about their uh, recently uh, released results and being rewarded by the market share price up from 13 to 16.40 on the NSX.